0: Some of you might have heard me tell this story on Instagram, but it's one of those stories that lives with me forever because it was one of the scariest moments that I've had as a parent, a first-time parent. This was before Amelia was born, and it was a time that made me realize that I can save my kid's life and that it's so important that I know how to do that to, you know, the best of my ability to a certain extent but so that I can feel empowered and in control and take care of my little ones the best that I can. Before I tell you that story... And then I'm gonna welcome on today's guest. I just wanna welcome you here to Feeding Toddlers Made Easy. I'm Casey Barnes. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist, a mom of two, and I'm always looking for and sharing ways to make parenting and feeding your kids less stressful, less scary, and less overwhelming whether you want simple and healthy meal ideas or help surviving picky eating, you can find everything you need on my website at mamaknowsnutrition.com. The only thing I can't do is come and feed your kids and clean up your kitchen for you, which I would love to do if I could do that for everybody. So back to this story, something that I've always been self-conscious about is my voice because I just can't get loud. No matter what I do, like if I'm in you know, when you go to a, a loud restaurant or you're at a bar or whatever, I'm the person that nobody can hear. <laughs> like I give up after a little while. My husband has this like booming voice that can just cut through everything and you always hear him no matter what. Me, it's like someone is leaning next to me and, and nothing is happening. I don't know why. It's just like I'm not built that way. So we were at this party. It was actually a baby shower. I was there with Teddy. He was about 18 months old. So he was running around like a crazy person and we had gotten some food at this party, a little fruit plate. Okay, great. So he goes running off and I go follow him. Thank God I did, but he runs down a hallway. We were in this like, you know, kind of like an event space. So there were a lot of different places you could go, but it was all loud. And he goes running down this hallway and suddenly I realized he had taken this big chunk of melon, you know, like the pre-cut fruit platters that you get at the grocery store. That's what this was. And they're they're just a, too big for a toddler to, to reasonably handle. So I didn't think about that. It was also just not real soft. So it went and got lodged right in Teddy's throat. And he kind of stopped. I could see that like panicked look in his face. And I'm like, oh my god. So I start yelling for help. Help, help somebody. I need help. I need help. And I'm getting like goosebumps as I'm telling you this story because I still remember so vividly being there, kneeling down, looking at him, looking around. No one can see us because we're down this hallway. No one can hear me because it's this loud place. And I, in this moment, am like, okay. You know, I didn't even think, pick him up and run over to somebody. Like, I was just afraid. Like, I went into kind of a panic mode. And so I look at him. I... See, can he cough and I start like whacking him on his back and I was able to do that and then kind of like fish it out of his mouth. He started gagging too then. So, I'm whacking him, he starts gagging and I'm like, "Okay, let's get it out." And then he kind of like, you know that vomit kind of reaction and he was able to get it out. But those seconds where I didn't know what to do, I could tell that this was lodged in his throat was so, so terrifying. And I thought, thank God that I would have known how to do Heimlich maneuver on him if I had to. I've practiced it, I've taken the classes, and I knew what to do. So even though I was all alone, and I was so scared, I knew that that was the next step that I would take. Today, I invited Brandon Dorskin The co-founder and CPR instructor of Thrive Training Institute, it's an online training platform that they really built to help empower families to know how to handle different emergencies in their homes. Over 10,000 families have chosen to learn CPR and gain added confidence in caring for their children. And I think that knowing how to react in these kinds of emergencies, God forbid you ever have to perform CPR in your child, but you want to know how to do that, right? And I'm not saying this as a reason to scare you or make you feel worried. Like, I really, really hope that this never, ever happens. But how much more equipped are you going to feel in that moment if you say, okay, I kind of know what to do. I can go into action before we can get an ambulance here, before I can get somebody else's help, because those seconds do matter. So let's talk to Brandon. He's going to talk to us more about choking today, Since, you know, we talk about food here, thought that choking would be a good thing for us to cover because, you know, kids can choke on other things than food, of course, but it is just really good to know what those common choking hazards are, what kind of preventative measures we can take, how to know if they're actually choking or not, and what you can take away from this episode to feel less afraid, more empowered, and more reassured. Hi, Brandon. Welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Casey. Really, really an honor to be on here.
0: I'm really excited to have you here today because when y'all reached out to me, which now I think was probably, what, two years, ago, two years ago? Yeah. I just thought your course was amazing, and i was so excited to share it with families because this is such an important topic and something that it's so cool that we can learn from our own home how to be safer with our families
1: absolutely and right when covid started when we we really wanted to help families feel secure in introducing solid foods and being around swimming pools in in these emergency situations where they're in the back of most mom and dad's minds of what do i do if this happens or they just live with this baseline level of fear of i don't know what to do but i think i'll just call 911 and what we've really been trying to do is make sure parents feel empowered and equipped to face different emergency situations and us One of the biggest concerns for people is choking. It's like the 60, 60% of parents say that's their number one concern for, for the right reason. It's the most out of control, scary thing. You could ever see your child go through, which I hope none of you ever see your child choke on something, but we're going to break that all down and how to make it safer for you this summer.
0: Yes. We're going to talk all about choking today. So I, why don't you tell us just a little bit about you before we jump in?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I I'm a CPR instructor. With the American Red Cross, and we've really tried to break out and really make this knowledge applicable to everybody. Just we really wanted parents to feel that confidence. And so I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-month-old. So we're getting into that. He's been reaching for food, which our other kids did not start grabbing at food <laughs> at five months. We they like we had to like we didn't really know what we were doing. So we're going to be taking a baby-led weaning approach. And so we're in that phase where we're like, okay, food choking, water. We're we're really. Uh, I tend to be one of those parents. that's a little more concerned. Uh, for those of you who follow the Enneagram, it's a personality thing. I'm, in, I'm a six wing seven. And so I tend to think about worst case scenarios, but when emergencies happen, I, I tend to act calmly and quickly because I've already rehearsed it all in my head. <laughs> and so that's a little bit of our, of our background. We've had over 10,000 families choose to, to learn CPR online with us through Thrive Training Institute. And so we make all of our trainings accessible and applicable for parents with young kids.
0: I love it. I love it so much. I was talking with friends uh, uh, recently who all have kids and we were talking about eating in the car. And I, of course, had to be, you know, the downer to be like, ah, it's like, it's so convenient. But when you start to really think about the dangers of it, you start to rethink your approach. So let's start there with the car because they know lots of people in the summer, especially are on car trips. And it is, really easy to feed your kid in the car, especially when they're like whining, they're screaming, but let's just start talking about eating in the car and what that can mean.
1: Let's break it down. And so as for anybody going on like a health journey or a safety journey, it can feel overwhelming at first. to Think of all the things you're currently doing that aren't good for your health or aren't good for your child's safety. And so when it comes to car eating, when you're concerned for choking, one of the best things you can do is not feed your kids in the car. I know it's just a very big blanket statement, but it's my only reprieve as a parent to have this alone time where they're eating and content for 10 minutes while we're driving. But one of the main reasons that eating in the car can be dangerous, especially for that two, three, when when you feel like your kids are confident eaters now and you just throw them snacks, is most of the time those car seats are at a reclined position, which puts the airway open while swallowing, I don't know if you've, for me, whenever I've like almost choked on something, it's been when I'm, for the rare occasion, eating in bed and you're reclined back. And so that's the same thing for your child is when they're in a reclined position, it's easier for that object, that food item to go the wrong way. Secondly, if they were to choke and you have music playing, you may not hear them. If you do hear them or another sibling says, hey, Thomas is choking, you have to then pull over the car get out of the car. And that's already probably been a minute if you're on the highway. And so it puts your child at a higher risk for choking because of the movement of the car, because of the position of the car seat. And then if you need to respond in an emergency, you're losing precious time. And in in a choking emergency, especially for children, they have a higher respiratory rate. That means they they breathe more often than adults do. Those seconds really matter. And so if you want to reduce the risk of choking, we really don't feed our kids in the car, even our five-year-old who booster seats straight up and down. It's just, there's too many variables. So our slogan is feed before you go and feed when you get there and giving yourself as a parent permission to live a slower pace. And so it feels like you got to go, go, go. You're running the practices, you're doing all these things. And when your kids are much older, like 10 and you're, they're kind of self-sufficient, you can't control everything, but a quick story to to illustrate that we, hopefully this chiropractor is not listening to this podcast. I doubt he is, but a chiropractor friend of ours he has performed back blows and the Heimlich on his son twice because on a road trip, he was eating spoonfuls of peanut butter in the car, choked wow. had to the over. He was kind of sharing it as like, a I knew what to do thing, but I'm like, well, why are we feeding our kids spoonfuls of peanut butter on a road trip? So there's so much you can do to mitigate the risk and not feeding your kids in the car seat in the car is one of the easiest things that you can do right away.
0: Yeah. I think that getting kids used to waiting is not a bad thing, even when they're young and even if it is a little more inconvenient for you, thinking about that bigger picture is helpful.
1: Yeah. And in slowing down and making meal times a, an experience. So, you know, feeding if, if you guys are going out for the day, it's summer, it's warm, making sure they have a good meal before you head out so that they're not begging for snacks on the way there. And then making eating fun once you get to where you're going. And we can talk about some of those choking risk foods in this episode and, and break those down as well, if you'd like.
0: Yeah, let's do that now.
1: So we, br- we talked a little bit about peanut butter. That's not typically one that's too much of a concern because you're not really giving peanut butter, spoonfuls of peanut butter to kids that are just starting solid foods. But when you're thinking about doing a picnic, sometimes picnic foods tend to have foods that have historically been higher risk. So we're thinking about hot dogs, grapes, raw apple. And I'm really thinking about kids right around one and younger. And so for kids that are older and running around, grapes can be a choking concern because if they're just taking handfuls of grapes from the picnic blanket and then running back to the playground, the likelihood of that grape slipping into their throat is rare, but it can happen, especially when there's a lot of movement. Our two two things to really be aware of are eating opportunities when there's movement and distractions. So when parents are distracted and when kids are playing moving more than they normally would during a mealtime. And so when you're out at a picnic, um, you can cut the hot dog long ways and then cut it long ways a second time so that we're not eating cylindrical items that, that can easily slide down the child's throat. But just really cutting the grapes in half, making things less, less of a choking hazard, and just making sure that the kids are really stationary while they're eating and that you as the parent, even though you probably are there with a dad or mom friend there to chat and and have some fun time to be aware of who's got food. And if you have a little child if it's still crawling and not really a confident eater yet, we want to like, okay, are they getting into the food that the older kids were eating? It's, it can be chaotic, but again, just slowing down and really making it simple can help so much.
0: Yeah. I remember as a kid, my mom always being like, sit down, sit down whenever we were eating. And I'm like, well, why does she care so much? But I mean, it's many reasons, but I think safety is a good one to just kind of have that as okay, that's the rule when we're eating, we're sitting down and somebody is with them. I think also, you know, because I do what I do and know what I know when my kids were especially young, you know, baby one-year-old, two year olds, like I would I'm usually the only parent at home, but I really made sure that if I was feeding them, like I was there because yeah. something that you don't think about is that choking is used silent, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So that's the thing, and and I've done a, another some material with Katie Ferraro from Baby Led Ween team, and she said, well, some people think that if their child starts choking, that they'll hear it from the other room and they'll come in. And it's again, I think, if we slow down and make meal times, even meal time with your eight month old who's been starting solid foods, an enjoyable time where it's a time of gathering around, and even though it's messy. You really can't hear a choking emergency. There could be a high pitched wheeze or a tiny bit of a noise, but most of the time, if your eight month old is choking, you're not going to be hearing anything and they're going to be in distress and you're going to want to be right there to be able to intervene so that, that we have a positive outcome.
0: Let's talk more about some of those signs of choking. How do we know if they're choking?
1: So gagging and verse choking, it's, it's, it can be very, it's, it's not fun to explain or really think about, but the gag reflex is our friend. It's a good thing. And as your, your baby's mouth develops, the gag reflex moves further back. And so what the gag reflex, when your child is, has gotten too much food or they got too much water and they're gagging and coughing and sputtering, all of those are good signs. So if air is passing in and out, that's good. So if your child's coughing, and even gagging and the tongue is thrusting forward, you don't want to lunge at them, you don't want to pull them up out of the high chair trying to start giving them back blows. Because if that air is passing in and out, that means they're not choking, they're just gagging. And so sometimes intervening in those situations can be very dangerous. Blind, you never want to blindly reach into your child's mouth to try to pull something out if they're coughing or gagging, you wouldn't also try to start dumping a bunch of water down their throat. You want to calmly encourage them to work through it on their own. And hopefully they'll be able to most, the majority of the time they're going to work through that just fine. When it comes to a choking emergency, a severe airway obstruction is when that object has gone into the airway. They're no longer coughing. Air is not passing in and out. Their lips could start to turn blue and they're in distress. That's when we need to take action.
0: I when I um, was just recording the intro for this, I was sharing a story about the time that Teddy choked as a toddler. And the thing that I just noticed was like he looked panicked, yep. like he looked terrified.
1: And that's and I, I think that's why parents have such a concern for choking is when when you're in that moment. And luckily, we haven't had we've had minor gagging incidences that can appear very serious but for parents that have had a child that has choked, like you shared, like it is the most terrifying thing or the stories you hear. It's not pleasant to see your child in that situation at all. It's terrifying. Yeah.
0: Ugh, I want, to, I want yeah. to cry just thinking yeah. about it. Oh gosh. Okay. So what other, besides making sure that we're avoiding those hazardous foods, like the hot dog, like the grape, like the grape tomatoes, especially for our younger babies. Yeah. Making sure that we are there watching them. Are there any other sort of preventative measures that you would suggest?
1: Yeah, one of the major things I'd take a look at in your home that would be more of household objects would be, especially we're looking at this right now. We have a five year old and three year old. So they haven't been in the obviously one to three is when a lot of choking incidences can take place where they're putting things in their mouth. My toddlers now do it to make dad scared. But now we have a five month old who's starting to get ready to crawl. And so we've, We'd, we'd put together a childproof home course in the past. And now I'm thinking about it from my own perspective. You really want to frequently look at what's at your child's reach for those smaller kids, the six, eight to one year old that are exploring, crawling and getting into areas. So you really want to make sure that older kids' toys are kind of quarantined to one spot. Because if we've got Legos and other small marbles, chokeable items, just really setting boundaries for where the older kids can play with those toys and making sure they're aware of, Hey, brother can't, can't put those things in those in his mouth. He would choke. And again, I know it can, like, like you said, when you said that your parents would always tell you like, sit down while you're eating, we want to try to make it fun and invite the older children into the process so that it's not always nagging them, but they're like, Oh, I'm going to keep brother safe. I'm going to keep my toys here so that brother can feel So that he won't put anything in his mouth and and saying, Hey, have you seen any, does brother's space look safe for him? And then they can be a part of that too. So for, if you have upstairs, downstairs, you could have a rule where we keep choking items upstairs and where brother is downstairs crawling around, we want to keep that area safe. So doing a regular.
0: Sorry. I just think that a lot of older kids love to be part of that. I've noticed my own son. And then when we have like a baby over to play, my kids feel like they're helping and being good caretakers when they're keeping the small toys away from the baby. So I feel like older kids really are willing to help with that.
1: I totally agree. And and we'll talk at the end here, just about what we're doing with CPR to give empowerment. But I think it's that feeling of empowerment that the older children feel. And that we're really trying to help parents feel is we don't want any parents to feel condemned or guilty that they didn't have this knowledge previously, but to feel empowered, like, Oh, I'm creating a safer space. I know what to do in the worst case scenarios, or I know how to help somebody else's child who maybe didn't have that knowledge at the park. And so it's, it's really about empowerment for your children and for yourself as a parent.
0: Yeah. I also want to validate just that it is really hard. I'm thinking back to the days when my kids were in the baby and toddler stage and it's exhausting having to make sure that everything is up off the floor, having to be always on the lookout for that stuff. Like if you feel like this is Hard and tiring and just exhausting it is.
1: It is. It is. There's (laughs) another way. Yeah. And it's it's what we I guess it's what we signed up for as parents. So
0: right now, let's talk about the thing that I don't really want to talk about. Is if there is an emergency kind of scenario, like what are some of the things that we should be aware of or make sure we know how to do?
1: No, that's that's a great question, and it's something that, like you said, it's, it's it's uncomfortable to even talk about because death and emergencies are never, never things we really like exploring. And that's for right reason. We, we, we've been designed for life and to, to live long, prosperous lives as humans. If you find yourself in a choking emergency, it is important to take proper action. And so what we encourage is for everybody to know CPR as a parent or a childcare provider. And really why we encourage CPR is because it teaches you what to do. In the case of those severe choking obstructions, but then it also teaches you about where you as a lay responder parent, just the average person that doesn't, it wasn't required to learn CPR for their profession. It puts you and where you are in that chain of survival. And it's, there's a chain of survival in the cardiac world of if somebody's in a cardiac arrest, there's the lay responder who's activated emergency medical services. And so if there's an emergency... What you want to do is, we'll just give an example. I'll give you an example, and, and you obviously would want a visual representation of what I'll break down. And we talk through that in the course. But if your eight month old is choking in the high chair, let's say, worst case scenario, a marble has been put on the high chair, baby puts it in their mouth, goes down into their airway, and they are choking. You would want to safely remove the child from the high chair. You're going to place him at a 45 degree angle over your forearm supporting their face on their cheekbones like you would when you're burping the child sitting up. And then you would give five back blows with the heel of your hand between the shoulder blades. And you're going to give those, those are forceful back blows that push the air out of the body. And with that 45 degree angle downward, we're also using gravity as our friend to hopefully get that item removed. If that doesn't work, you're going to flip the child over. And and so while still supporting their head, give five chest thrusts right where you would just below the nipple line and the lower third of the sternum, um, right in the center of the chest, you would give five chest thrusts. They're in the same location as you would give compressions for CPR, but these are five forceful thrusts, again, to push the air up and out of the body. You would give five and five until that object has been removed or until the child becomes unconscious, at which point you would make sure you've activated 911 or the emergency number in your area and get emergency responders on the way. You would then perform CPR beginning with chest compressions. So
0: that's what you would do. I want to ask you, I have two clarification questions. One is just about like the, you know, I think our natural reaction would be, I don't want to hurt my baby while I'm doing this. Like how, how forceful am I doing this? So that I'm also not like breaking them.
1: Yeah. Luckily their ribs are very rubbery at this stage still. And so when your child is in a, severe airway emergency, don't worry about hurting them. Obviously we would never recommend hitting your child for any other reason, but in this scenario, they need to be forceful and it's not a slap. So you're not trying to, you can probably hear that on the microphone, slap the skin, but it's really about using the, the heel of your hand to, to offer that, that pressure and that it's a back blow. Sometimes they call them back slaps, but that can give the idea that it's slapping the skin. Yeah. And so it is a forceful blow between the shoulder blades. Most often you're not going to cause any injuries. And that's why they recommend starting with back blows. And even for older kids, starting with back blows, um, you'd lean them forward while they're standing up. And then the chest thrust, although that's like a really uncomfortable spot to think about pushing deep into the child's airway, they're still rubbery ribs and they're going to be moving. And in the case that you fractured a rib, they're going to heal quickly. And you're going to know yeah. that you did what you had to do to keep them able to keep breathing and able to keep living. So it's, it, it outweighs the risk of, the, right. of taking action, but it Definitely. is.
0: And then if they're a little bit bigger and you can't hold them on your arm, you just mentioned that you'd lean them forward standing, right?
1: Yep. So that's going to happen right around 12 months is when the guidelines change. And so I was even holding my five month old, just because I have my, my CPR dummy, Betsy, we call her, and she's I thought she was pretty heavy, but I picked up my 20 pound five month old and I was like, I actually couldn't just standing up where how I usually demonstrate it standing up, he would actually be too heavy for me. Mm -hmm. And so if you need to, when you're holding up to 12 months, if you're holding your child on your arm, sitting down and laying them over your, over your leg to be able to support them properly, you're probably going to need to do it sitting down. But like you said, let's say a three-year-old comes up, they're choking on a grape. You would put your arm in front of them, while they're standing in front of you, get on a knee behind them and lean them forward while they're still standing and then give those back blows followed by the Heimlich, which would be a fist upward, inward at the right above the belly button in a J like motion so obviously a lot of that is much easier to see than just hear in audio form um, right so it's, it's all inside of the courses which
0: well. you have yes in your courses so let's talk about your courses because they are just the perfect resource for parents and caregivers I feel like every parent every caregiver should go through this because it is designed specifically for you as a parent as a caregiver and it's not one of those like if you've been to one of those C CP- CPR classes where you sit in the room for four hours. Like it's not that. So we, and we do have a code. I'll share that in a second, but why don't you tell us? Cause I know you have a couple bundles, so let's talk yep. about what's included.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Casey, thank you for being a proponent and sharing this with your audience. A lot of your folks have chosen to come learn with us and we're so thankful to, to get, to, to be able to teach them. And so what the course covers is our CPR training covers chest compressions, where and how deep to do them for adults, children, and infants rescue breaths. So the two breaths you give after 30 chest compressions, we share how to give those breaths. And then we also break down how to properly use an AED. If you're in a cardiac emergency and there's an AED present, you'll feel equipped to to use one and and know what to do and, and when to call 911 and what order of the order of events. And all of that is in a very simplified fashion with video training. There's text and there's PDFs that you can download to be able to to make sure, okay, I've got it, I know the information, and we give you mini quizzes so that you can know, okay, I'm I'm retaining the information right. And we really break down at the end of the course what to do in those choking emergencies. So everything you just heard me describe uh, is broken down in detail with a visual aid of me performing that on our CPR dummy, Betsy, so that you can really feel confident knowing how to respond to those those situations. With the training bundles, you can sign up for the Refresher CPR bundle, which is CPR and first aid. And then there's a family ready bundle, which we created because a lot of people are, are wanting their babysitter or the grandparents to know CPR. So the family ready bundle, it's CPR, first aid, and the childproof home, which walks you through room by room, how to make each room childproof. And then you actually get to gift one of those enrollments to a family member or friend or your babysitter. So if you're kind of in that phase where you've got young kids and you want to make sure you've got training for yourself and then training for those that watch your kids, the family ready bundle is a great option for you. And like Casey said, she has a discount code for you.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely love the family ready bundle. We have a babysitter who comes regularly. And I just think like, if my kids were younger, I would absolutely have her watch that as soon as she started with us. But my code is KC10KACIE10 10 for $10 off at what's your website again?
1: Yeah, thrivetraininginstitute.com. Thrive Training we can link it directly in this in this in the show notes so you guys have it right there for you.
0: We will. And we also on the podcast page there's like a little promo codes button so if y'all just click there it'll be right there and take you right to it. But the other thing we didn't mention is that it's short. Like you could watch this during nap time.
1: Yeah. So we tried to make the, the CPR training something that you can go through in an hour. And for, if you're one of those people that want to go through it really slow, you can go through it multiple times. You have two year access to it for the family ready bundle. You have lifetime access. And so it's not this one and done thing. It's something you can go through. We want you to get through it the first time quickly, if it's during nap time, but you have access to it. So you can re-log in and see, okay, here's what I missed or here, I need a refresher in this. And so we tried to make it it's it was geared for parents with young kids. So we get that you're busy. We don't want to bore you. I try to be engaging and and make it applicable for where you're at as a parent with young children.
0: Something that I hear from parents so often is that like, Oh, it's been on my list to do this. But I never can find the time and I feel like with your courses, it makes it really easy to find the time to do it.
1: And we're very thankful to be able to see that so many parents that actually sign up for it. I know with, with online learning, sometimes people buy a training or a course and they don't go through it. We have a very high completion rate because parents that buy it, childcare providers, they buy it and they go through it. So don't feel like you're going to, it's going to sit in the background. You'll get enrolled and you'll actually go through it and feel like you learned a ton and that it's, it's applicable and you know, it's there. We make it crystal clear. So you can't, can't mess it up.
0: Yes. Yeah. What do families, like what's some of your favorite things that you hear from families after they've gone through the course?
1: My favorite story we've heard so far in the last two years is a mom reached out to me and let me know that her child, she thought she she was gagging on a strawberry and she knew from the training to not intervene when she was just gagging, but she was there encouraging her. And then that strawberry actually got lodged to where she was actually choking. So she knew first what not to do, and then she knew how to intervene. And she emailed me and said that she was able to perform back blows as she had seen in the course and that the child was okay. And she said, had I not gone through the course, I don't think I would have known what to do properly. And so that, that really like meant a lot to us to know that somebody a long ways away from us through online learning was able to be informed, take action in their child to be safe because of that.
0: I love that. I think that really being able to do something like this, take a CPR course to know what to do does help you feel so much more empowered as a parent. And I think there's so many things that can be scary as a parent. And I think that this helps. Do you have any other like last things to say to to the parents who are listening just to help reassure them, help them feel less afraid and, and worried by all of this?
1: Yeah, I think that in, the, in 2022, right now, what's taking place is parents are reclaiming their power as far as their knowledge. And so I think what we've kind of, what COVID and everything has done is, is people have started questioning why things are the way they are. And so as a parent, I just really want you to feel empowered that you have the right to certain types of knowledge. If you're following Casey, you're learning about what foods you're feeding your kids and, and why and how. And so it's, it's putting the power back in your lap. And so, yes, CPR is great for paramedics to know, and I want them to know it. But some of the larger training organizations only focus on medical professionals and people that require it for their job. And if you're listening to this, you care about your child's safety, you are qualified to learn CPR, to know first aid skills. And so I would say this is about your empowerment. This is about your knowledge. And it's about reclaiming your power as a parent, and you don't need permission From your employer to go learn CPR. If you're interested and you want to know more and you want to feel empowered, then you are as qualified as you will ever be. So that's what I'd say.
0: I love it. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for being here today and for sharing such helpful knowledge and for being just like, you know, this could be one of those things where you just terrify people into purchasing your course and you definitely don't take that approach. So I just thank you for being that way and empowering parents.